can you give us a quick like introduction into who you are? Yeah, um, oh, that's a broad question, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I at the moment we run a business program for online coaches. Um, kind of full spectrum now. It used to be specifically like ones that were already established, and then kind of building them into actual businesses. But we've we've got stuff across the board at the moment. Um, I ended up doing that because I had my own fitness business previously. Um, and I grew that to quite a sizable business myself and kind of struggled at certain points with like finding help for it. I feel like when I first started, like there was loads of stuff of like, this is how you set up like your coaching right. program and this is how you post on Instagram. But then when it actually come to like running a company, there was nothing that I found anyway, maybe I didn't look hard enough, but I didn't find anything like that. So when I kind of, we kind of reached reach kind of as much as my brain would allow me to take with the fitness business. And then we kind of moved into, into doing the business coaching from there. How long ago did you start on your own, like your own fitness business? 2019. Um, if you, if you asked the tax man, it was May, 2019. Um, okay. There may have been some cash payments for personal training before that, that, were definitely declared, but the official date <laughs> was like May 2019. Um, we officially. Okay. And so, how, so over what period did you get to a point whereby you're just so busy that you need to bring people on? Ooh, I'll be right. So, I was quite lucky that. So, I started off when I finished uni, I got into teaching. I was a school teacher um, for about four years in total, if you include like all the training years and stuff like that, because it's the, okay. the first two years. You know, you're basically not a teacher, you're a training. Um, but I did four years in total working in schools. Um, and then I didn't really fancy getting paid 24 grand a year for the rest of my life. Um, and, you know, the ceiling of a head teacher being about 100K, I was like, my dad was, my dad had been a builder. Um, when I said, well, he did like, um, like roads and stuff, you know, like groundworks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like I used to go out with my dad doing groundworks when I was like 16, 17 and like, I'd, I'd work through the summer with him and I get paid whatever else got paid, um, which was all right. So I realized I was taking a pay cut from like doing pay, playgrounds and flag curbing and stuff like that. And yeah. you know, nobody was telling me what to do. Like I didn't have all these constraints on my life that you have by being a teacher. Um, it was a bit shit in the winter, but it was nice in the summer. So it like balanced itself out. Like sure. sometimes it was pissing down and freezing, but then like, you know, for a couple of months a year, you got to kind of just work outside and, yeah, I thought there's got to be there's got to be more to it than this, like than just like coming in and, and clocking a paycheck. And I think I'm just not a very employable person, if I'm truly yeah. honest. I think some people just don't have it. Like yeah. I'm very questioning. I always want to know the reason why behind things. Like I want to understand like the logic behind certain decisions. And I think when you you work for someone else or you work within a, it's not really working for someone else working in a school, but you work within a system. Sure. And if you don't quite get the system, it can be really, really frustrating. And yeah, it's almost one of them that you got told to like it all lump it. So um, you like that in school as well. Would you in school, would you like question in school? Would you not when you're a teacher, but when you were actually a kid um, in school, would you like I was, question? I was a bit of a know it all in school, yeah. Like yeah. we were in I don't know whether you had it like when you went to school, but they had like a scheme called gifted and talented where they took all the kids that like got certain SAT scores when they came in in year seven and you got to do like you got out of school to like do stuff like go to university days and like oh, cool. make rockets and stuff like that, which is bullshit really. Like I didn't do anything, <laughs> but it got you out of school on a Wednesday. So I was all for it. 
Um, yeah. So we did that. Like I sat my GCSEs early when I was in school. Um, and then, yeah, there was just, just used to like, I don't know. I think you question quite a lot. Like just why am I doing this? Like, what's the reason for this? And people don't really give yeah. them a straight answer. And I wasn't really a fan of it. So yeah, that, was, that was one of the reasons why I left teaching because it was very much the same thing. I don't know why I thought it was going to be any different going back as a member mm. of staff than it was as a kid, um, but it was. So I did that, moved into personal training from there. And then I was quite lucky because I worked at some very good gyms um, right. when I first started. So I've only had like a very brief period working in a commercial gym. Okay. I got sacked after I think a month. Why do I think you it's less than a month because again because i'm just not very employable oh, right. at all yeah, yeah. and it was one of those situations where like even though you paid them a rent because it was a big company I won't, I won't say which company it was but like one of the major ones and they okay. feel like you work for them and we had yeah. a lot of like butting heads of like i don't physically work for you i just rent the space and Got they it. saw it a very different way especially the regional <laughs> manager which is what my final conversation was before i got sacked i don't deal very well with just being told this is the way it is for the sake of it um, yeah. But then I worked in some private facilities, okay. which were really good. Um, I actually sandwiched that, like the, the JD stuff was in the middle. Um, but the, yeah, the private facilities I worked in were always like really heavily transformation based. So like right. when I went online, I was already charging like 1500 quid for a 12 week package of personal training, okay. um, outside of London's, I, I, I thought it was quite expensive. And then, you know, I had a good portfolio of transformations. So like we launched and because I'd been just layering all the transformations and obviously it was a lot cheaper for a lot of people who'd already inquired with me. So I think right. when we started, we ran it at like 600 quid for a 12 week transformation. Okay. So it was nearly like 30% of like yeah, yeah. what I was charging else, like, you know, to work in the gym. So loads of people bit my hand off and we did like 8K month one. Awesome. So like, yeah, it went like straight to six figures and I've never really earned less than that. Like since I started. So at that I, point then I spent three years making fuck all as a personal trainer. So I it did yeah. average out like, but. <laughs> and then when that happened, is that when you thought like, oh shit, I need people to come on and help me to like grow this? Well, yeah. So we ended up, I ended up by the summer doing like, 92 clients and i think i was charging like on an average of 200 pound a month so it was okay. it was like heavy but then like i weren't doing content and i wasn't able to really kind of i didn't have time to do calls i was just doing check-ins all day sure. and like we were quite heavy with the work that we did for our clients so like, i was i had obviously because i'd come from working in a gym i was very much like i know that people aren't going to get on with this if i just send them a, a a weekly like reminder of like hey do you check in and then give them some feedback like people needed right. more like we we responded to like everything they did so like we, okay. uh, we we moved on to an app really quickly in fact I, I paid one of my best mates to load every client that had a spreadsheet onto the app um That's while sad. i was on holiday in turkey which was a bit tight but i paid him so it was all right so he spent the <laughs> week toiling on that come back all the clients were on the app but then okay. kind of every day we'd give them like a review of the day before so like okay. in the morning we'd be like oh well done on hitting your steps yesterday like good job on your nutrition your protein's a little bit low and then we'd give them feedback on the workout as well because it like obviously you know it works like they track like what they did last yeah, week. yeah yeah 
And we were like, right, well, you've done the same weight on that. Is there a reason? Like, you know, this is actually down from last week. Like, how are you feeling? So we gave them feedback on like every single workout and every single day. And doing that for 96 people was rough. So would that be like a a Loom video or something? No. So that was, that was via like, just like a messaging feature. Okay. But then obviously we did a a proper weekly check-in where like we reviewed like the overall progress and then made amendments. Um, Got it. But it was a hefty workload, like especially over 96 people. So by summer, I'd, I'd, my best mate had just come back from Australia. He was working in, in a bar called Oaxaca, which is it's right. like a bar slash restaurant. It's like a Mexican thing. Um, okay. And he just found out he had like a hole in his heart. So like he was, he was playing pretty much professional American football, as close as you can get without being in America. Um, right. And he just had to retire on the spot. So he was just working in this bar. And I was like, well, I've, I've got some work for you. So I managed to convince him to leave the bar and, mm-hmm. and take on this like really weird role of like that I'd kind of cobbled together that was like doing bits of everything that like I didn't have time to do. And yeah. So, like, yeah, within like six months, we'd we'd hired staff already. Which so did cool. you just like kind of figure shit out on the, on the way? Like as you went, you just thought, I need someone to come and plug this. I need someone to come and help with that. And you just built out from there? Yeah, so... So for, for our marketing and stuff like that, I, I always used help from like business coaches and stuff like that because I'd never like okay. done marketing before. But then when it got to like, yeah, building out staff and stuff like that, there wasn't really like, it was more like ad hoc, like, oh, maybe sure. we thought about getting an assistant. And then it'd be my yeah. job to go and find, a, where do you find an assistant from? Like it was my job to like go and find an assistant, or hire an assistant and then what the fuck did she do? It's like, yeah. poor Sarah has been my assistant for like, I mean, she assistant's probably like a, an underrepresentation of what she does. Um, sure. She just does everything. But like, she's been with us for like, yeah, it must be nearly three years now. And wow. Okay. Yeah, and, and her role has like changed like seven times. Like, I don't think he, she even knows what she does anymore. Um, but that was just that was luck that one. And yeah. then when I realised that like, shit, I need a better system for doing this that kind of stuff. I started to like build out structures and stuff like that for it. Okay. Um, the, yeah, the first two hires were messy, but I was quite lucky that obviously Lewis is my best mate, so I could like I changed his contract like every two weeks, which was <laughs> shit for him. But like it was just, yeah. you know, the needs were changing so much, and then Sarah was just she didn't really care. But then after that, I was like, right, I can't, I can't keep getting people and just like not fucking them about, but like changing the goalposts on them every week. Yeah, yeah. Um, my staff now will probably say that I still do that, but for the most part, <laughs> I try and keep it pretty structured. And then, yeah, so that was that was all kind of off my own back. And that was the bit that I, I feel can really, like, fuck up your business. Like, if you do, like, a yeah. if you do an Instagram campaign wrong, like, nothing bad really happens. If you bring the wrong kind of people into your business and getting signed contracts and getting, like, legal issues and stuff, like, it can fucking can be cash yeah, yeah. almost. What advice would you give to people that are at that stage that are now looking for someone? Get help. Get help with doing it. Like... Yeah. So like when, when we do consults with people, like we say, like, we're quite open with the strategy that they think we, th- we think is right for them. So if we're like, okay, right, you need to go get an appointment set up, and, and you probably need like your first coach to come on board and start taking off some of the slack. And some people are like, oh, well, I could just do that myself. And I'm like, right, of course you can, like, crack on. And then they, they go and they end up like getting an appointment set up that's useless and they don't know how to train them and like the stuff that we do is like an amalgamation of like how how we did it and right. mostly how i did it wrong 
and then how I got it right like the fifth time round. So it's been sure. like it's been a lot of trial and error, but it's been people, you know, that have come and gone and money that's been lost and time that's been wasted. And like to think about it, it took us it took us from 2019 to like yeah, like maybe it took us nearly two years to get up to like you know, 60, 70 K a month with our fitness business. Okay. And that, that was, that was, we, we always had clients. Like we never had a lead gen problem. It was purely having the staff and the fulfillment requirements to actually deal with it. And it took that long because that was the problems like the bottleneck with staff. And this time mm-hmm. around this, we've done, you know, we've, we've done over 2 million in the first year. And it's not because I'm better at marketing than I was then. It's because the staff structure's much slicker. And when we get people in, we get them up to scratch and we hit target within four weeks and we don't waste time. I think there's such a huge part to it. Like understanding the real value of having good people in your business that can help support what you're doing and help you to grow. And then you all kind of benefit from it and you all just grow together. Yeah, I think a lot of people get the wrong idea about it though and they go about it the wrong way. Um, Mm. And I think that comes from maybe potentially getting advice from people who don't have overly strong personalities. So like mm-hmm. I've seen people like that have taken advice from other people and it's been actually quite poor. It's like, oh, I get people that maybe don't want to do things on their own and don't want to have like any responsibility and don't have any business brain themselves. You know, almost like you can control them and they're never going to be a yeah, threat yeah. in your business. But for me, that's a really like scarcity mindset way of looking at bringing on staff. And I think that's actually how you get low quality staff that don't think for themselves that yeah, are for sure. robots. So like we get a lot of people that come in and they've got staff that are like not performing. Mm. And it's just because that person was never going to perform because yeah. they just hired an unskilled person that was unmotivated and, and not very driven to succeed. And they couldn't think for themselves and not very self-motivated. I'm like, why did you hire them? It's like, oh, because they were never going to, you know, they're never going to go out on their own and steal my clients. And I'm like, if the first problem that you're thinking of when you hire staff is, I really hope this person doesn't steal my clients. <laughs> like, Fucking hell, do you know what I mean? That's like boarding an airplane and thinking, like, fuck me out. The I hope the pilot doesn't fall asleep and crashes. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it's such a weird mindset. So, like, one of the things that we try and do is like make sure that people get really high quality candidates and mm. have have room for them to grow almost like within the company and have like bigger visions for like where that can go. Because that's yeah. how I think people get good quality staff. And I think that's that's for a sure. problem. That's the problem with people scaling the fitness business at the minute. Like they're they're all about getting cheap, easy to like easy to plug in, but nothing yeah, yeah. work is never easy. So like, you know, when they hire like offshore agencies for like VA work and stuff like that, like for me, it's always it always seems to be pretty catastrophic for people. And I yeah. think it's because they want an easy answer rather than like hiring and training themselves. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, I totally agree. I, from my own experience of hiring people, when in the past we've hired people that perhaps weren't as entrepreneurial, because that's probably what people are trying to avoid bringing someone in, I find that it actually takes up more of my time and more of my energy by having that person come into the business. And then I spend this huge amount of time trying to micromanage that person because they're not doing their job properly. And so now not only am I paying someone to do it, I'm also now wasting my time, which is costing money, to look over that person's shoulder and kind of do it for them anyway. It's a complete waste of time. 
it yeah it becomes an issue doesn't it because you're not actually yeah. you're not solving the problem that you tried to in the first place which is i don't have any more time to give to this task because yeah. you're doing it um like we've got our like our wage bill is pretty hefty like mm-hmm. most of our coach our executive team are all on over six figures and there's there's no full-time members of staff that bill less than four grand a month that work for us right. that's even appointment setters like even our appointment okay. both of our appointment setters bill around four grand a month um with the on-target earnings and stuff like that that's so awesome like, yeah but it's hefty and i think mm. a lot of people can't i was saying this to someone yesterday the reason i think why people don't really reach the potential with the business is because they can't stomach like seeing numbers that maybe they used to earn going out to members of staff and the they, like they get a little bit scared about it yeah but, do you find that do you think that you have like a detachment from that kind of uh, emotional attachment to money that allows you to do that yeah because i i, I make more money than i have like i ever knew what to do with or, or ever thought mm. i would like i remember like i said my dad was a ground worker so like the best the best year my dad ever had was making a hundred grand and bearing mm-hmm. in mind that was like revenue and he, he was a ground worker so that was like he had to take plant out of that and materials and obviously sure. he doing the job on his own he started to pay the other lads but like his his business revenue was 100k and yeah. i was like fucking hell like i'd love to be able to do that and like obviously when i was teaching like the head teachers were on 100k so like i always had 100k as like this number in my mind that like yeah you know, you can get pretty much whatever you want if you make a hundred. Like, yeah, you're not gonna have a house with a swimming pool, but like, you yeah. can live, you can live comfy. Like, your meals cool. are always paid. You, your heating bills. You're not gonna worry about putting the heating on in the winter. You'll have a, a decent car. Like, you go yeah. on, you know, a couple of family holidays a year. You have a nice house, like with a garden. You don't have to live in a shithole. Like, it's great. So, sure. like, I, I always had that as like my like goal. So then, when I did it, like year one, I was like, right, anything else now is a fucking bonus. <laughs> like anything else is sweet and i think yeah i've got a i definitely got a detachment from money because mm-hmm. like i wouldn't be able to spend a hundred thousand pound a month on wages if i didn't because it, it yeah i do um, i don't like my vat bill to be fair but i feel like that <laughs> it's been like strong armed out of me and i don't feel like i get what i pay for but like yeah. i do for my staff so i don't mind um but i think part of it is almost this like it's almost become like a game now in a sense which sure. is weird like it's like how far can i really go and I, I think i said this on another podcast like it's quite scary for me that realistically like i'm only ever going to be finished when i fail because yeah. like i'm going to keep going until there's a point yeah. where i'm like oh <laughs> well, that fucked up like that's back to yeah. me. Never mind start again like and i feel I like it's going to get to that point eventually or else i'll just never be satisfied i remember reading something that was describing how people like the ultra wealthy money for them just becomes almost like points in a game where it's they can attribute how much they're earning to like levels that they're going up in a game and so they don't think about it as like oh i've earned like 150 grand i can go buy lambo they think of it as that's a new benchmark that they've overcome which now means that they're doing better and better yeah like there's points obviously like there was there was a lot of things that like once once I i got over 100 grand i was like right well realistically what am i going to do here am i going to buy a new watch mm. or a nicer car or what this and that and i do do that when there's an excess of money like lying around but sure a lot of the next stuff i did was like make sure my family was sorted so like 
Mm. My dad had cancer. He was thinking about going back and working as like a DPD driver. Um, he had bowel cancer, so he had like a portion of his stomach. I don't know whether it was his stomach or his bowel, but he had something. Right. Um, so he couldn't do manual labor anymore. Um, so he was going to like go back to work, like working for DPD and stuff. I think he's 75. Yeah. Well, 74. He'll get me for that. Um, but at the time when he retired, he was like early 70s, like 71. And I was like, there's no way you're going back to work. But yeah. obviously my mum's a teaching assistant at school. So no way, it's just like, I don't want to say what it is, but it's not, it's not enough no, to sure. work on for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm sure you could Google teaching assistant average wages and, and be pretty shocked. So yeah. like one of the things that I wanted to do is make sure that obviously like they had enough money. Now they, you know, they're not, they're not investment people like they just they don't mm. have financial education for that so like it's state pension so like even then i wanted them to you know i give the money to go on holiday every year so like my family are looked after um which is what you know one of like the next level of stuff like yeah it's okay being able to like pay for this for myself but also like my sure. but then yeah there does become a ceiling where you're like okay like more money doesn't really make that much of a difference that i can't keep mm. giving people money like yeah the sake of it um the next stage, it is almost, it is almost like a game, but I, yeah, I, I don't really look at it as like the number. I look mm -hmm. at it as like right, we, we make this, and I always try and keep fifty percent margins. Okay, we could actually run less, like we could run leaner for sure. But I mm -hmm. always like if we make more money, I'm like okay, like we, so we've got this amount that we can now reinvest back into the business now. Like what can we go and sure. get that's going to make it better? So that almost becomes like a bit of a game thing. It's almost like upgrading yeah, yeah. Things and like getting new people and, and moving that forward. So that becomes quite cool because like we do grow like quite quickly, like quarter on quarter. So that's quite nice to be able to go like, okay, we've got all this money in the pot now. Like who do we go and get? Yeah, um, for sure. So we've managed to like, we've managed to remove every single agency worker out of the business. So okay. like everybody that works for us now works directly for us full time. Like awesome. copywriting, web design, funnel design, tech and automations, like all of that stuff. Um, and we've been able to go out and get like top people, not just like yeah. a boys club where it's like kind of I know everyone and we're all like, hey, we're having a good day. Yeah. Like, like it's, you know, they're, they're all like industry leading people, which is pretty cool. So why, like, do you think why do you think that you've managed to do that in such a short time frame when it takes some people like years to do it, like years and years and years? Um, that's a really good question. That I don't, I, I couldn't tell you to be honest with you. It'd probably take a smarter mind than me to dissect it. Like, I'm still a bit nice. in my pants. I'll there's a couple of things that I feel like I'm different with that maybe like are different from the rest of the industry. Um, <laughs> one is that I, I genuinely like you know, when people say like they don't care about like what people think, yeah. Like, I probably would if people like said it to me directly and like I cared about their opinion. Like I'm that, mm. you know, I wouldn't go that far. But I genuinely don't care about how I look to the rest of the industry. Not in a sense of like, I'll just say what I want and fuck everyone else who doesn't agree with me. But like yeah. I will quite happily learn from anyone, even if they're perceived to be competition or even a level below me. Like do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not yeah. averse to being like, oh, that's a really good idea that. And I think that could be really useful. Do you mind having a chat about it? And actually just being normal. Like, mm. whereas I think there's a lot of like cloak and daggers and people that are trying to steal my stuff. So I'm not going to say anything. And I'm yeah, yeah. There's, there's very little collaborative effort I feel in this industry. 
Whereas like, I don't mind. Like I'll sit down and have a chat with people about anything. And I think that really everyone's going to synthesize information differently, in my opinion anyway. So like, mm. I, th I think there's a lot to be gained from like people sharing information. So like, I, I learn everything that I can and I'll test yeah. it in my own business. And then if it doesn't work, I'll then uh, like, I'll think, right, is it my problem? Like, have I done it wrong? And I'll, I'll look at that first. And then if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But sure. I don't want to say like I'm humble because that's, that's a bit of an overused word, but like, I feel like I don't have a lot of ego with like asking for help and being like, oh, yeah. you're doing that really well. Would you mind like running us through it? And I think that that's, that's been a big difference because like, I'm not, I'm not afraid to ask for help, even of people sure. that you know, potentially could bite you. You know, like, you know what certain people are like. If you ask me, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. asking for help because they must be shit. I'm like, I don't care if you say that because, like, yeah. at the end of the day, like, the business will do the talking. Like, I don't need public opinion of me to be like, oh, is this master, grandmaster, fucking marketer, agent, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I just need to be able to be better than I was last month. And you can see it with how transparent you are with like stuff that you give out to people. So your Instagram is a prime example, like the amount of free content that you give that is of extremely high value with that obviously, as we said in the beginning, comes across in a way that you generally just don't care. Like, because you're giving out this information, it's free value for people. And if someone wants to come and have a discussion about it, then they're open to. It's just, I think obviously a lot of coaches reflect their own buying habits, like with their programs. And like, I'm very much of like, I will binge people before I invest in them. So like, yeah, I will sure. go through everyone's, like everyone's back catalog in like 30 minutes. I'll look through mm -hmm. absolutely everything they've done. And there's never really a part of me that goes, oh, well maybe I'll just do all the free stuff because I must've got all the good stuff now. And yeah. what else could they have? Like, so I just, I think that's more of a reflection of my own habits. And like, if, if I think someone does good work, and I've seen examples of their good work. And even better, if some of their work has actually helped me move forward without me even speaking to them or paying them, mm. my brain instantly like, well, if I pay them, I'm going to get more out of it. Yeah, for sure. And that's the kind of that's the kind of ethos that we want to foster. Like, you know, if for us to turn over a million a month, we probably need to work with total about six or seven hundred coaches at any one time. Okay. So that means that we don't really need to like, we don't need to monopolize the market. Like we can, we can work yeah. with people that think that way. So it allows us to really kind of work with people that have that same mindset. And if people just want to rinse free stuff, like they're going to do that anyway. <laughs> like <laughs> no, they were never going to buy from us in the first place, but you know, they might tell sure. someone it might, we might be able to change the mind. You know, yeah. they might be in that mindset because they've earned a grand a month for the last 12 months of the career and they're just they're very scarce because, you know, bills are bills and it makes it turns you that way. So maybe sure. you can make some more money and then, you know, in six months they'll be like, oh, you know what, actually, like that program has really done a lot for me. So I'll do this. What would you to that person that is like earning a thousand a month or something and they're just they feel like they're struggling? What? Could what sort of things could we give them to take away from this that could help them with their business? Ask people for free stuff. I would personally like I'd I'd be frank with people, and we're 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 quite like that, which is why we built some of the stuff that we built. Because I, listen, this industry is weird. Like this industry is such a strange one because I don't know any other industry that forces people down a route of self-employment as the first port of call. Yeah. 
really don't. I, I struggle to think of another one that really stems in my mind. And I, I hear people all the time say, I'm sick of seeing coaches getting a business mentor as soon as they're qualified. I'm like, but what choice do they have? Like, where's, yeah, the, sure. where's the career support otherwise? Like, you've got a couple of, like, maybe like David Lloyd and Nuffield and stuff like that that have, like, salaried gym roles. But there's yeah. only so many of them. And if you don't live near one, you're fucked. Like, mm. your gym has no salaried role other than, like, that rent for hours kind of scheme, which yeah, yeah. realistically leaves you at zero. And then it's up to you to make the rest of the money yourself. So, like, I don't know any other profession that likes to be as you know, respected and like well thought of as, as personal trainers want to be, that mm -hmm. has no actual career progression for, for new trainers. There's nothing. You just no, fucking yeah. out in the wild west on your own. It's like the edge qualification, knock yourself <laughs> out. And people are like, well, just be a good coach first. I'm like, how, if I've got no clients, like, how do I be a good coach if I'm struggling to feed myself? Like, yeah, yeah. There's, there's so how do they? What would you I, say I, to I a person? Ask, I would ask for free help. There's enough people, but the problem with free help is people don't do it. Mm, that's yeah. that's the issue. They don't do it and they don't trust it enough. So like yeah. you've got to find one person. And and also there's noise. There's We try and limit it. So like we don't say, oh, this doesn't work and this does, this doesn't work and this mm. does. Relatively for most people, most stuff does work broadly. It's generally down to the, the individual that's applying it, whether it works or not. So we try and not do that because we just feel like it confuses people even more. Sure. Find one person that you trust, that you think you fit well with kind of their ethos and say like, look, I don't have any, I don't have any money to pay you. I really don't. What would you do if you were in my position? And then mm. the, conscientiously, surely they'll, they'll be like, all right, this is what I would do if I was you. I'd do this, 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 and this. This should help you do A, B, and C. And then if you do that, come back to us when you've got this amount and then we can get you some like real structured help. But, okay, you know, like for us, like we've got our YouTube, we have a full series on like how to get from zero to 5k in a month. That's obviously completely free. You don't even need to give us your email mm -hmm. for that. You need to watch it. There's, you know, we've got our business builder course, which is literally like, it, to be my staff fucking hate me doing it because they're like you give everything away and i'm like i've not really but like it's got all basic like lead generation how to do content how to set up a coaching program how to do sales calls there's like sales scripts there's even a fucking sales funnel in there for people right like, there's application forms it, in even inside that we've got draft application forms draft checking forms We've got an interactive meal planner that they can use on Excel that has all like proteins and carbs already stored in it. So it's a bit like my nice. condensed. We've got 12 different workout plans on spreadsheets. I mean, we did that because obviously we wanted it to be accessible to people who were like, I don't, I, you know, I don't even know if I can set up an app at the moment. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. We'd already pre-programmed all the templates and stuff like that. There's, there's yeah. three recipe guides in there, like recipe packs that we actually sell that we've just given people. So I, I don't know what more we can do, to be honest with you. That's like, huge. Genuinely, this, I, I said this, I was like, we're done with lead magnets because there's fuck all else that we've got. I can't do the, I can't do any more. If I yeah. get any more, it would be confusing and it would actually be too much for them. Like it would be higher level stuff that they actually don't need to be wasting the time on. Sure. So, so where can people get access to this? Because we'll put a link below the video when it goes live. Uh, collectivecoaching.co will take you straight to the business builder. Um, okay, and awesome. everything will, will spring off that. There's, there's some upgrades for people who are a bit more advanced that still 
like haven't got enough to invest in actual coaching. So there's a couple of sure. 99 pound upgrades there that actually give you our full sections of our course. Um, but yeah, that's honestly start there. And I think the, I don't know what the YouTube is. I think it's just slash Steve McGrath. Um, that, that full zero to 5k things there, but yeah, outside, like, I genuinely don't know. And that's when, like, when people come to us now and they're like, oh, you know, you do this and you do that. I'm like, listen, go do the free stuff and then decide whether yeah. you want to work with us or not. Because even if it's, even if it's, you know, you're above it, you'll get an idea of how we work and how, you know, what our ethos is like and, and you can sure. make a decision from there. What are some of the most common issues you see with, like, content people are doing? So when people come to you with their social, is there anything that's, like, a common one across the board that you see people have issue with? Um... You know what? I think it's just like, again, like worrying too much about what people think of them. Like more yeah. like in the industry. For me, like, I think there's a couple of things that happen. I think people potentially try and work with a market that's got money instead of a market that they should be working with because they understand them very well. Right. And I think that's more of a scarcity thing for themselves because like they look at like maybe 25 year olds and you think, oh, they're not going to be able to pay high ticket. But they are. Mm. Like, it depends what you think high ticket is, to be fair. But like I think most people, yeah. if if there's a if they've got a real thing that they want to achieve with themselves, they'll pay 200 pounds a month. For sure. I paid as a student, I paid 150 pounds a month to go to a gym where they gave you a training program because it was a good gym. And I didn't want to work. I didn't want to work out at the university center. And like, I wasn't even in bad shape. I just, I, you know, that that's what I valued. And yeah, at that yeah. point, like, we, you know, proper like uni student, like tomato sauce on spaghetti and stuff like that. Yeah, like, sure. We, we were that low, and I made sure that that came out of my student loan. And I paid them when I got my student loan, so it was gone. So yeah. like everyone, I think it's you know, I'm I'm not going to sit here and say 200 pound a month is affordable for everyone, because mm. there are a certain part of the population where it isn't, but for a lot of people, they do have the income. They just don't decide to use it that way. But that's on that's on the coach then. So I think a lot of them, like, a lot of them work with it. Like, I want to work with busy professionals. Yeah. And like, you, a, you need to be more specific than that. And, mm. and B, I think, yeah, they just go for a crowd that maybe they think will pay rather than what it is. Like, a lot of people, again, we have people that become fat loss coaches when they don't even like fat loss stuff. Like they don't like body transformations. It's not how they live their lives because they think that fat loss is where the money is. Right. And it's, it's not like goals that people want is where the money is that you can provide. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, we've got clients that work in all sorts of like mad shit, like CrossFit and like sports performance. Some of them are just about like powerlifting and they do really well because they get good results. Um, and so I think just, don't you think you're just going to end up hating your life as well? Like if you're, if you think, oh, I'm going to go after people for fat loss and then that's, and you don't like it. And then that's what you do for the next two, three years. Yeah. You just Every time you go to your check-ins, you're going to be like, for fuck's sake, I don't want to do this. And I think that's what happens in the bodybuilding community as well. Um, right. It's people don't reflect their own actual ethos within their program. And it starts to yeah. unravel because people can tell there's like a, a false front on it. So like sure. we see a lot of a lot of coaches that work with like gem pop fat loss that really their passions in bodybuilding. Yeah. And I find that that causes a massive conflict with their audience. Mm. Like it really hampers the business because on one hand they're like, 
oh, you don't need to worry about carbs. Like you don't need to worry about this. Just eat food in moderation. And then the next day they're like, oh, my coach has stopped me eating sugar-free jelly because the sweeteners are in it. And we're, we're trying to like pull water. And then like yeah. Debbie sat at home confused. Like, oh, I've got to fit in my dress on Saturday. Should I cut out too? <laughs> I want to pull all the water out as well. And yeah. I think you've, you've got to really like live the way that you coach for me personally. Okay. And I think that's the yeah. argument being in shape as a coach isn't it that people a lot of people have like it's not yeah, whether sure. abs it's whether you live the lifestyle that 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 will come from and if mm -hmm. you're talking to people about it and that's what you're selling you should probably reflect it the same way as if you're going to coach people relationship with food issues but you're binging every weekend it's probably not the best idea in the world yeah, yeah. Like, it's not going to work out very well so i think finding something that you can coach that you, you're really like you're really going to lead from the front on because that's what you are as a coach, really. You're a leader, like... For sure. That's how you build authority, like you lead. And the coaches that yeah. I think do things that are outside of what they actually truly believe in or what they, what what they who they are, they don't build that authority with the audience and then things don't mm -hmm. work very well for them. Like, people don't reply to the messages. Like, people don't turn up to the phone calls. When people do get on the phone, they're only willing to pay minimum price because... You, they're just not bought into the the program or the coach sure. not. and i think that's that's one of the major things with content as well is like people don't align it all so people don't yeah. have a program that fits the content and the audience that they want to work with and the audience they connect with and that doesn't fit themselves mm. and it, then it just falls a bit flat they end up almost making it up like if a coach says to me like i don't know what to post i'm like you're working with the wrong audience you should know exactly what to post every single yeah. day you should get them and post content for your audience, not not for you, I think. Yeah, for sure. But then, again, it should almost be the same thing, though, as well, because, like, yeah. stuff that you're talking about should interest you. Like, sure. it, should, it should be for both. But, yeah, you've got, to, you've got to meet your audience where they're at as well. So, like, mm. you've got to understand that maybe they don't particularly think the way that you do right now because they're the, the you know, they're, like, three steps behind yeah so i think a lot of coaches like they they oversimplify like I, f I feel like a lot of the time they're so worried about somebody calling them out that like they don't mm. they don't actually market like enough it's almost sure. like they make the program sound too much like too much like common sense like yeah, well, yeah. really all you have to do is just stop eating as much and everyone's like oh yeah. can you pay me 600 pounds for my program and they're like well, <laughs> No, because I feel like all you're going to do is tell me to stop eating as much, which <laughs> yeah. isn't really like I, I feel going to be game changing for me, to be honest with you, because I kind of know that yeah, yeah. it's the vehicle that, that you're going to get me there in that's, that's part of the thing. So like, sure. I think one of, one of the major issues is that people don't make their coaching engaging or fun. It's right. almost like they've got this like sword to fall on where they're like, no, it is going to be boring and you do just have to do the same thing every day, which... You're probably not wrong, but it's also, you know, not very sellable. Like, mm. it's not very enticing for a new client to be like, you know, when they say like, you hear content like, stop asking me when your training program is going to change. It'll be the same for yeah. most of your training career. That's what I've yeah. done. And look how big I am. And it's like, nobody wants to hear that day one, mate. Like, yeah. day one, you're like, this program is never going to change. You're going to do the same workout every day for the next two years. People are going to be like, <laughs> eh. Don't ever really want to pay for this right now. Like yeah. you've you've got to you've got to dress it up in something that's in get and it's I think that's something that I got from teaching because okay. I 
listen, like trying to teach physics was dry, like at times, especially sure. like, once you've done all the experiments, like when you're into like the heavy stuff, like you can't yeah. do it, you can't do experiments, you can do experiments on protons and neutrons, but that's your job. Your job is to take take what they need and wrap it in something that they want so they get mm. the best of both. Like it's getting people to engage, it's planning engaging activities for people to do. And I feel like coaching is almost devoid of that. Mm. And, and people, because they don't do it in the program, they can't then show it in the content. Sure. And then that kind of turns people, then it just becomes an information kind of thing which really no one buys information, they buy an experience and they buy a result. And again, like we used to say people buy a result, but I think the market's moved on a little bit now. And I think they also buy the experience, not just the result. Mm. I think that's changed over the last couple of years. I think you used to be able to slap up a couple of before and afters and be like, yeah, yeah, show me the money. And people would be like, absolutely, just get me from A to B. I don't give a shit whether mm. you know how you do it. Whereas I think now people, ex you know, people expect to be, taken through something a bit more like engaging and progressive sure that's, that's something that people probably should try more with marketing it's not just about giving them the right information it's about giving them in a vehicle that they'll actually enjoy taking it from and and they'll be able to succeed with yeah because I've, I've, awesome. I've watched loads of different teachers that I try and teach I, very clever people as well like there's a bloke that I did my teaching degree with that used to be a VP for AstraZeneca. Okay. And I was like, how the fuck am I going to teach chemistry next to this bloke? Like this guy's forgotten <laughs> more about chemistry in the last two weeks than I've ever known in my life. <laughs> like the first time, the first time he stood in front of a class, I just didn't want to listen to him because he was just an old boring guy. Yeah. Yet, fountain of knowledge. He was probably the best chemist in the fucking room or in the whole yeah. school, but that didn't matter because no one listened to him. Yeah, for sure. And even if they would listen to him, they'd have turned off within five minutes and retained none of it. Yeah. And I think, again, that's something that I learned from teaching that maybe coaches don't get because, again, there's no real, you know, the business the business side of it, like the marketing that we do isn't just about making sales. Mm. It's about making people enjoy the program and making people enjoy sure. this and come out the other end. And I think people like say, oh, it's, you know, it's sharp marketing that it's pulling the wool over people's eyes. And it's like, well, it's not, it's just, doing it in a fun and engaging manner so people carry yeah. on. And this like all, all loops back around to what you were saying about the coach actually being aligned with what they're selling. Because yeah. if you if you believe in what you're selling and you live it and you breathe it, then you're going to make it fun for your clients because you just enjoy the day-to-day -day of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And it's about breaking away maybe from what you think is like perfection. Yeah. Because like you can't, you can't get perfection from like people that are step one in the journey. It's got to be a sure. direct thing, but you try and force them into perfection day one. Like we know you don't need, you know, you don't need to do this. You don't need to do that. And I know doing an arms blast is fun at the end of your workout, but it's not going to make any differences in the size of your arm. Yeah. Like, you just need to do dips and chins and like, mm. great, but do I really want to be doing that? Like, yeah. So like, it's all, again, it's almost like, and you know, the, the, the very strict like coaches that maybe work B2B that enjoy like calling out this kind of stuff. Like, don't understand maybe what it's like working with like generic people because it's always the more serious coaches that work with the more serious athletes that like call sure. that kind of stuff out and it's like well yeah but you've got a very advanced kind of client that's going to come to you and mm -hmm. be like i just want the result i'll do whatever you want because you're this kind of person but it doesn't fly at the bottom of the industry for like yeah. you know, johnny who just comes in 
Like you can make, you know, like the new bi like biomechanics is a huge thing now, isn't it? Like everyone yeah. does perfect exercise. But like think about think about the kind of people that like these young lads are going to work with. Like these young lads mm -hmm. that come to the gym are not going to work with, you know, extremely advanced, highly muscled individuals that are so yeah. confident in the gym that they'll bring a fucking fifty shades of grey bag with all these bands and chains and whatever. Yeah. And and take 15 minutes to set up an exercise. A lot of these guys just want to get in, not look like a fucking idiot, like fly under the radar, yeah. get the work done and leave. So like it's yeah. all good you saying, like, oh, this is this is a shit exercise, but like it's not it's not unuseful. It's just maybe no. not a perfect exercise, but you're not gonna you're not gonna get them to set up this, you know, perfect bio. Nobody's gonna bring a band in and loop it around a Smith machine at like yeah. 5 p.m. When the guys are, how many sets have you got left? And you're like, well, it's going to take me 15 minutes to rig all this up. Then I've got to do my, my two sets. I've got to take nine minutes rest in between because that's the perfect scientific rule. And then I've got to take it all down. And somebody's going to be like, take yeah. the fucking hand off and I'll just work in with you. <laughs> Very true. About practicality as well as like, you know, kind of what perfection we, um, Like there's uh, the gym I go to, there's a personal trainer who he takes in his bag with everything. And he has clients that are like 60 years old, probably skinny, like look like runners. And he will spend 10 minutes, just like you described, putting every possible contraption onto a machine with bands and hooks and pulleys and whatever he can find. And then puts his client into it and gets them to do the weirdest possible shit you could imagine. And then he films it all to post on his social media. And you can see as his client is doing it, they're like, well, it feels weird, so I guess it must be working. But at no point do I think they're actually engaging with it. Yeah, I mean, but that's... Depending on who that person is, it might benefit them. Like, if they're a bit older and, they, you know, they're a big dude and they're like, they're gonna, the, the skinny runner guy's going to be like, this is why he's so big. This is the fucking secret. Like, this I know, he's skinny too. The personal trainer's tiny. <laughs> um, right, but that's probably... But you know what I mean? Like, it could work for you and against you, but you've got to kind of... Yeah who you are like if you're an absolute mutant and you're telling people to do this kind of stuff they're going to be like oh i need i need yeah, all yeah. that stuff because that's what's got in there and that's what you know for sure clients are massive and they all do that i want to be like them but if you're just getting into it you can't try yeah. and do that and impress everyone that's like a biomechanics expert because actually it's going to yeah, yeah. the business there's almost like it is to tell them like if you've been in the game for like 40 years and you've got a million clients you can be like listen this is what you need to do you want results yeah. like this, you want to work with someone who's experienced as me, you're going to be expected to do do the work. If you're like 23 yeah, yeah. and you're just in the industry, you need to do what your client will do, not like what you tell them to do because you've just not got that level of authority yet. Yeah, for sure. Mate, this has been incredible. I really appreciate it. Can I ask you one last question before we finish up? Okay. If you're in your fitness business, not doing your coaching business, right? You're in your fitness business and tomorrow you wake up and Instagram is gone disappeared you've been kicked off for good facebook you're off tiktok you're off youtube you're off what would you do tomorrow to get it all back or where would you start hmm. you know what i what i would do personally if it was in my, if i was in my fitness business yeah for me this is probably going to be useless to us. I'm really good at making sales. So I'd ring up someone who had a really big business and be like, yo, do you need someone to do sales? And I'd probably <laughs> just do that first while I rebuilt everything. So I had some cash flow coming in. Um, I th well, it depends if you knew how long you've been in the business for. If I'm new to the industry, I would potentially just get in front of a crowd where there's people. 
So I would be asking to give presentations to maybe businesses that were similar to mine, but not quite the same, mm -hmm. like forming relationships with like physios and stuff like that, like maybe nutritionists, if I did training, like somebody that could complement what I do so I could get in front yeah. of their audience faster. Um, if I was more established, I'd probably just go back through my old network um, and look at, you know, people that I've worked with previously or previous inquiries. Um, and I would use that to start building it back up. Um, the social stuff's hard, isn't it? Because it's like the easiest way to deal with that is to kind of preempt that happening and make mm. sure you've got phone numbers and make sure you've got emails. And that's something that like we push quite like hard with our clients because you know, you own that data. Whereas like obviously Instagram, you don't own, it's like you're renting yeah. it from them. Um, but we say that to people all the time, especially people with quite large followings and stuff like, oh, do you have an email list? I'm like, oh, I don't really make any sales from email. And I'm like, no, you don't now. But if your Instagram yeah. goes, you'll have to. And it's like, you know, when somebody says, oh, have you got income protection insurance? And you're like, oh, yeah, I'll get that next week. And then they never do. Yeah. And and that's what happens then when people's Instagram goes down. It's because they've, re they've, they've relied on it for too long instead of just building that stuff up in the background, even if you don't use it. Yeah, and it can happen. I've got, like, I've had a few friends in the industry with hundreds of thousands of followers, even one at the moment who he's been kicked off. And that's the the backbone of his business is Instagram. I I see that happening, but like you said, it's with a very select group of people. I, I think maybe it's just because that's the kind of people that I've heard it off. But, like, mm -hmm. that's been happening really recently to, a, like, a certain group of, like, high followers like you know people that you know like i don't see anyone with like two thousand followers getting their account shut down like yeah. it's it's generally people with like larger followings and like for me i genuinely feel like it's some sort of like extortion thing that somebody's right. then going to come back to them in a couple of months and be like oh give me this much money and i'll get your account back or i'll give you your account back yeah because I just, I just don't see, unless they're clicking on things that they shouldn't be clicking and people are grabbing the passwords and stuff. And like, I just feel like it's happening to a very select group of people at the moment. Mm. I don't know whether you've I've noticed seen, the same thing. Well, I've seen, so I've seen different scenarios. I've seen ones where people have definitely clicked the wrong link and then they've been locked out because someone's hacked them, taken their password. Um, but then this one person in particular, their account is literally gone from Instagram. Like it's completely been removed. Oh, and there's no even, there's no talk of like, it got disabled because of this. It's just disappeared. Yeah, it's gone. And he's just like contacted Instagram asking them what's happened. And you just fill out this form and then you just have to wait. Yeah, they are a right. bit like that. It's, it's so hard to get it back. I feel like what kills people in that scenario, when that does happen, is it's almost like it takes them too long to accept it. Hmm. So like for me, like if our Instagram account got shut down, like I'd be on it tomorrow. Yeah, same. And if I got the account back, cool. Like fair enough. Yeah, yeah. But like I would, for every second after that account went down, I would be treating the rest of my business like I was never going to get that account back because yeah, for sure. I don't have time to wait for a form to come through and to see whether that's going to happen. So yeah. I think that if that does happen, like the biggest bit of advice I could give people is move quickly like yeah, and, sure. and act like it's not going to come back and then if it does it's a bonus but if it you know you you could every day that you're waiting for it to come back that you're not taking action on the next step even if you're half arsing it like you can't 
you can't do that. You can't run businesses that way. You can't run businesses yeah. with like one foot in one kind of camp and another one in another. You have to go all in if you're going to make a difference, mm -hmm. I think. So I think for me, like that would be, you know, there's, there's tactics. Like it doesn't take that long, especially if you've got a decent network. If everyone gets banned, then you're fucked. But like you can get your yeah. account background fairly quickly. And like, so, like I know some of them, like I, I know someone's account got banned who had like, 200,000 followers and they they made like a silly amount off it per month and like you, it'd be hard mm. to replicate that you know immediately but if you can get back up to like two three thousand followers in the space of you know 30 days or so which i think if you leverage your network correctly you can like yeah. you've got some clients that do that normally anyway like they grow by that amount of followers by just using certain taxes that we give them you can make mm. eight ten grand a month off three thousand followers yeah i think that's a really important point to make as well because a lot of people chase the followers, but it's the quality of your audience and how aligned they are with you that's going to be the most important thing. Yeah, absolutely. Like, listen, we've got people at all ends of the spectrum. Like, we've got people that mm. have large followings that maybe don't have the businesses that you would expect. We've got some people with large followings that do have the businesses that you expect that that earn really well. We have some people that, you know, have 3,000 followers that make 10 grand a month. Like, and, and you know, all kinds of spectrums in between. It is about how well you monetize the audience, not just the size of it. And I think that actually for certain people, they almost sometimes get a bit lazy if they have a lot of followers, spending your time on monetizing your audience and learning the skills to do better with a smaller audience because it'll always grow out. Like if you're yeah. really good at monetizing 3,000 people, if you get to 30,000 people, you know, your business is going to be miles better than if you just focus on getting new followers. Yeah, for sure. Just winning by like war of attrition with sheer amount of numbers, certain people are going to pay you. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I know how valuable it is. And there's loads of useful information there for people to take away. Where can they find you on Instagram? My Instagram is Steve underscore McGrath. That's M-C-G-R-A-T-H. Um, and if you go to our website, collectivecoaching.co, um, I couldn't get .com or .co.uk for some reason. So it's .co. Um, but if you go there, you can download our business builder and then you'll get pulled into a, a web of emails and Facebook groups and Instagram and YouTube anyway. Um, so you can find awesome. us. There. Fantastic. And we'll put those links below the video for everyone. Thank you so much, Steve. I really appreciate it. Not a problem, mate. Thank you very much.